0: Hello and welcome to the Connect and Rise podcast. I'm your host, Cody.
1: And I'm your host, Reese,
0: And we will be talking to you about all things health and wellness.
1: It's recording. It's been recording for two minutes.
0: Buster, turn it off. No.
1: (laughs) We can cut it, we can cut it, chop it, change it here. We can take bits where we want. Try not to hold the paper, because it'll be like... (laughs)
0: Just
1: gonna chalk off the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go, welcome.
0: You! Fuck. (laughs) Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the Connect and Ride podcast. Ride, yeah, good start. <laughs> rise podcast, that was good though. Reason, no, could have been, Cut. <laughs> Cut, freeze. That been <laughs> nah.
1: Search for connect and ride.
0: Podcast. <laughs> that sounds wrong. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, that was better though. All right, okay, All ready? Right. Yep, hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the connect and rise podcast. <laughs> Reese and I have been talking about this project for a while now, so we're both really excited/slash nervous to get it up and running. We've probably been sitting here for 10 minutes. Well, Um, I have.
1: Eight minutes and 51 seconds, to be precise. Yep. Right now.
0: Me freaking out and just laughing. We're currently sitting at home. We got home from work and forced ourselves to do it. I'm in Reese's dressing gown.
1: And I'm in my flannel with no pants on. Let's just be honest.
0: (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Oh, God, so... We're
1: we're comfortable, so we just jump on here, get episode one done and dusted um, so we can move forward.
0: Yeah, so for this podcast, we thought we would just jump on and give you guys an insight into our journeys, who we are, and why we started the podcast.
1: I don't really... I didn't really know where to start, I guess. um, I was born and raised in Newcastle, um, and we're from Australia, if you can pick up our accents.
0: G'day,
1: mate. Um, Sort of just, I don't have any fond, like particular fond memories from from childhood. All I know is that I I had a good upbringing. Um, I didn't really go through much adversity, like through my childhood. Um, It was sort of just comfortable and we cruised on through. Um, That sort of followed through with with school. So I went to school uh, in Newcastle, obviously. And just cruise through. Like I was, if if you think about the groups that you typically encounter at school, like I was probably in the, in the in the middle group. Like, um, I didn't. I hated attention. I still I still hate attention. I hate the focus being drawn to me, um, and that's why something like this is particularly uncomfortable. But, you know, you.
0: Got to get out of your comfort zone.
1: Yeah, you got to get out of your comfort zone, and you notice that a little bit more as you get older. So, that was me at school. Um, in terms of how I applied myself to like school and studies, um, I sort of just sailed through. Like I was, I think I was naturally um, talented in, like, you know, I, I picked up certain concepts across most of my subjects fairly easily, but I didn't really put the work in. I kind of just got by. Um, and then that sort of got me through um, most of my schooling up until probably year 11 or 12. And then the HSC comes around and you notice people around you are starting to apply themselves and you start to learn really quickly that if you don't put the work in, the results aren't gonna pay off. So I didn't really do that with my HSC at all. Um, and I was quite disappointed with my results. Um, not that it's the be all and end all, it's, it's far from that, um, but for me at the time, I was looking to transition into uni. Um, I didn't really get a high enough ATAR. Didn't really allow me to go into anything that I was particularly interested in. So I took what I could at the time, which was primary school teaching. Did you know this, Codes?
0: No. Yeah. Primary school teaching. I
1: did primary school wow. teaching for. Um, what at uni? Yeah, I started first thing out of school. I, oh, I what started the hell? primary school teaching. Um, I did it for. It would have been four or five weeks because I I finished before census date, so I didn't have to pay anything. Um, Run. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They were my thoughts. I absolutely hated it. I just, looking back, I did it for the sake of doing it because I could um, and because that's all that my ATAR allowed me, really. Um, So what did I do after that? I deferred uni or... Stopped that all together after four or five weeks I just didn't like the lifestyle I didn't want to apply myself I wasn't ready to apply myself at the time Um, I worked casually in hospitality Um, I've had like countless jobs here and there during that time sort of just making money where I could um, to be able to live and travel a little bit and that's what I did Um, I didn't really have any career direction I didn't know where I wanted to go at all I was sort of just stuck in limbo for a little bit. This was in 2012 uh, that I sort of just got by and worked and didn't really do much else. 2013 come around um, and I, I had applied and been lucky enough to get an apprenticeship with Extrata Coal at the time. So they're now Glencore, one of well, Australia's biggest mining company. Um, I secured a, a four year apprenticeship with them uh, which I, that I started in 2013. Um, I guess the basis behind choosing that career path, that direction was, um, well, I still am. I'm really interested in like anything to do with, with motors, cars, engines, getting my hands dirty, pulling things apart, putting them back together. And that's still a hobby that I have today. At the time, that's sort of where I chose, where I thought my career needed to go. I did that for eight months um, and I worked for... I worked for Glencore, as I said, um, at Ravensworth in an underground coal mine um, as, a, as a fitter. So that was a completely different world that um, exposed me to a working environment that wasn't necessarily in line with what I'm about, and my values. And, and I couldn't see that at the time, um, but I, it's crystal clear looking back. So I wasn't in the best spot eight or nine months into that job. I'm just thinking like, I realistically, I need to see this four years out. Um, for the sake of finishing it, for the sake of becoming qualified, um, and it kind of got to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore, and it was a really tough time for me um, because most people back then with an interest in that sort of industry would have killed to have the job that I had at the time. Um, so, at the end of the day, I it got to a point where I said, No, I can't do this anymore. I threw in threw in the towel and said, No, nope, I'm not. I'm not doing it. Um, and that was quite a sort of pivotal moment, I guess, in, in the fact that I wasn't in a good headspace. Um, I was lost, stuck in limbo, P- people are people are out there buying houses, people are getting qualified, all that sort of bullshit. And looking back, like that stuff doesn't doesn't matter and it's not that's not relevant, but I didn't realise it at the time and it took me that experience and that sort of um, you know, to be in that sort of headspace. To be able to change my perspective, and that is probably the most pivotal moment. I'm looking back that sort of set me up to be able to change the way I look at things. Um, so from there, that was that was August September of 2013. I worked. I got a job straight away um, uh, in hospitality um, and worked for three or four months in starting 2014. Um, I took that time to really think about you know what I wanted to do. For me at the time, it was more about proving my proving to myself that I could start something and finish it um I I was a bit frustrated with myself and a bit down and out at the fact that I'd started this apprenticeship and hadn't seen it through so for me at the time it was about right let's just pick something apply yourself wholeheartedly because that was foreign to me I hadn't done that at school as I said so apply yourself um and we'll just sort of see where it takes me so I did that I applied for um for a bachelor of science and I got back into uni and started just a, a a generic bachelor of science degree um covered a few bioscience courses um and I knew that I was could potentially see myself working in some sort of health related field I did that I did a year of science and and that's exactly what I did I applied myself I've never ever worked so hard in my life I've looking there was there was absolutely no balance to it it was just focused on uni just laser focused on what needed to be done i did that um and i and i did really well my marks came back and i i think i ended up with you know straight d's or straight hd's and it was it was kind of not that those marks mean anything they don't it's more it's about the intrinsic response to say you have put the work in here and this is the result and that's kind of set me up and changed my mentality towards things so Somewhere in that first year of science, someone mentioned occupational therapy to me. I still can't recall who it was or what it was that sort of led me down that path. But halfway through the year, um, I applied to transition into occupational therapy um, and that went ahead. So I started OT in 2015. That's a four year degree. Um, So in short, I carried that attitude and that mentality into my degree um, sort of when times got tough I'd always think back to sort of where I was and the reason I'd gone to uni and, and decided to sort of you know really start applying myself and that sort of helped me through um, you know six six months to 12 months into the actual OT degree itself um, I knew that I was sort of where I needed to be in terms of the, the health profession um, sort of it definitely aligns with my values being um, you know look at things holistically um, and and take a take a top-down approach to everything you do in in work in life um, and 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 that's essentially what the degree and what the health profession preaches so I felt that the degree as a whole was a fit to me um, and I haven't really I haven't really looked back in terms of, the right qualification for me, um and setting myself up to look at the world through a lens that that OT promotes. So um I saw the degree out, it's a four year degree. So I was at uni in total for five years. Um and as I said that completely changed the way that I look at the world. So the degree in total and going to uni, it was it was way more than just coming out of it with a piece of paper for me. It was it was um, it, it changed me as a person It changed the way I look at the world. Um, and I've sort of come out of it with the mentality of, you know, say the word yes more than the word no. Um, and, and you know, it'll open, it'll open doors to you. Um, and I've sort of carried that over. So where I'm at now, um, I in I'm, I'm in my first year out of uni, I'm in a new grad role, um, just gaining, you know, exposure and experiences to the real life essentially. Um, having the time at uni and, and reflecting back on my time, particularly working um, in, in the mining industry too, I think really opened my eyes to the issues and I guess the barriers um, that we face as, as men. Um, and it's really opened my eyes to, to the culture that, I don't know, surrounds men's health and the stigma that's attached to men's health in particular. Um, with as I said at the beginning with a focus on mental health so that's sort of where my passion lies I'd love to help men um, open their eyes to what they can achieve um, how they can become how they can become a little bit more self-aware because I think that's sort of that's where the issue lies um, it's it's creating some self-awareness um, and being able to share my experiences and the challenges that I faced um and there was challenges, you know, all the all the way through my degree. But how, how did I get through those? Um, what did I call upon, and who did I who did I who did I call upon to be able to help me through that? So, um, that's sort of what my focus will be, and that's there. My experiences up until now. Um, obviously, I haven't really addressed outside of work, have I? No. Or outside of uni. So.
0: <laughs> like my life is work, and that's all you know, I do.
1: Yeah, that's kind of I don't know. I feel that has weighed in heavily to sort of who I am. Yeah. And that has got me to where I am now yeah. in terms of how I operate, what makes me tick and that sort of thing. And, mm. and that they're, they're, the, they're the experiences that have sort of gotten me to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, I have a personal life. Um, <laughs> I'm a part not. of it, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> um, this is, this is my, my beautiful girlfriend, Cody, sitting opposite me now um, that has been by my side for how long now?
0: um two years just over
1: two years we've known each other for a little bit longer than that so we live together we live together in not far from newcastle cbd to be very generalized um Mm -hmm. it's an awesome spot we live in a little unit here um that's ours you probably wouldn't want anyone more living here it's a it's a tight enough and a small enough space to be able to live comfortably so yeah we're just doing our thing we both work full-time we have weekends together we see each other every morning and a night Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess we're both at a stage where we feel as if you know we've had enough experiences to be able to share it with others Um, and this idea of starting a podcast has been Mm -hmm. on my mind for a little bit now so I sort of just got to a point where I was like you know what let's just do it it's going to be uncomfortable but it's just a I don't know it's a platform to be able to share information with others It's it's a platform to be able to empower others to be Better versions of themselves. And I think that yeah. kind of sums it up. So I've spoken about what my focus will be and where my interest lies. Um, and I'm excited as to, you know, where it could take us and how we can help others, I guess. Yeah, for sure. All right. That's me in a nutshell.
0: All right. On, well, let's... my upbringing was similar. It was a really, really good upbringing. Um, I lived in Nelson Bay, which is about 45 minutes an hour away from Newcastle. Um, and I grew up on a horse stud. So it was a 25 acre property. Um, I, have, I have beautiful parents, um, a really, really generous upbringing. I had my family owned businesses. So I grew up in a really hard working environment. Um, and as I said, on a farm, so in nature and with lots of animals. Um, and then in terms of adversities faced, I think my life experiences in terms of how it's got me to this point are very unique um and from all different sort of areas so i've faced health challenges um and just lots of different adversities so i've had a really lucky upbringing i definitely didn't have a hard upbringing at all Um, and my adversities if that's what you want to call them that I faced I think were all a blessing even though they when I get into it sound pretty dramatic I think they are all a blessing I don't look back on any of them and wish it hadn't had happened so from age two till eight I was diagnosed with SIDS so if no one knows what that is that's sudden infant death syndrome um And it's sort of confusing to talk about because when you talk about it, people are like, oh, you couldn't have had that because if you had it, you'd be dead. So I was diagnosed with that. Um, They don't actually know what causes SIDS still. So it's a really open out there sort of diagnosis, I suppose. But pretty much from ages two to six, every year around winter, I used to get croup um, and I used to stop breathing in my sleep. So my mum would wake up or my dad, whoever, would check on me and I would not be breathing. I'd be technically dead, I suppose. So when I was two, um, I was revived with the, what are they called? d Yeah. Yeah. So I was re- revived with the d when I was two years old. Um, and then every year after that, I was revived by my mum. I slept with her and she used to wake up and I'm pretty sure she still does. So sorry, mum. Mm-hmm. Every hour on the hour to check to make sure i was alive um and she said she sort of got used to the warning signs apparently my behavior would change before it or i used to just act different so she'd sort of wake up more regularly to check if i had been sick or if i'd been acting different um and then she'd have to use all different techniques of how to revive me and make me breathe again so from two to eight i was a really dramatic child um so that sucks for my parents And then... I was
1: going to say it's carried over into your adult life, but (laughs) it might not. (laughs) Relax.
0: (laughs) Um, And then from 8 till 11, it was smooth sailing, no health challenges, happy, healthy. I had horses on the farm. So I was riding horses, quad bike riding. I was a boat racer. My dad got me into powerboat racing when I was young. So I did all different types of sports. I've never actually done a normal sport like netball or soccer or anything. So I just Hep- wanna
1: confirm that Codes wasn't out there driving <laughs> like this big offshore power boat. No. At the age of how old?
0: I was like ten, I think. Yeah.
1: It's like this little speed boat with like a little tinny motor on the back. It's pretty
0: cool. Yeah, they're twenty five horsepower. So they're not that fast. They're tiny versions of a circuit boat, if anyone knows what that is. If not, I'm not gonna bore you. Anyway, a race boats on the river. So random sports that I grew up doing, um age eight to eleven was sweet nothing big happened in terms of health um and then when i was 11 i (laughs) decided to cause another drama and we had a big six what is it oh two ton horse float sorry that carries six horses so we sold that horse float to a guy who bought it um and he wanted to go see my dad's boat shed out in taylor's beach in nelson main Anyone knows that area? It's like an industrial estate. Um, and long story short, I used to, or well, everyone does, if you grow up on a farm, will grow up with horse floats. So There's like an apex standing thing on the front, a little triangle. And when people reverse a horse float, someone usually stands on that to guide them where to go because it's hard to see. So, i grew up doing that from a really young age it wasn't something different that i would do um but my dad was like don't get on the front of the horse float until he has stopped and gone around the block and i was 11 and i didn't listen to him so i got on the front um and went around the block and came back and something happened and i can't remember the moment where it happened but something happened and i lost my balance um and i fell off and i went under so the two-ton horse float, I think, had maybe two or three wheels, I can't remember, um, but it went straight over the top of me. So I broke my right hip in half, all the organs in my stomach got pushed into my chest. Um, I had a tire bolt go through my left-hand side and lots of other stuff that happened. Um, but anyways, afterwards, been run over, goes forward, And the crazy thing is that I actually remember this moment so vividly. I remember the whole thing because I was conscious the whole time, which actually saved my life. But I stood up, which is just insane. And it still just makes me like, how do you even do? I don't even know how I stood up. But I stood up and then fell down. Just in shock. Yeah, in shock. So that was a pretty traumatic um, accident to go through, obviously, for me and my family. Um, I was in hospital for 10 days or two weeks, I think. I was on life support for 48 or 72 hours of that. Um, I was in a wheelchair for months. I had to learn to walk again, Um, had years and years and years of remedial massage and physio still have to get it sometimes but it's nowhere near as bad so long story short i'm a crazy child um, and they were all sort of my massive health challenges that i've gone through but like i said <clears throat> ooh. Jesus, like I said, um, I look at all of those as a blessing and I don't regret any of them for happening because I truly think that they have made me who I am today. And I look back on them and think it's wild that I survived one, let alone all of them. So I think I have like a deep sense that I have a purpose of being here and i just don't take any day for granted and i don't think anyone should so i think they're a massive blessing to have happened to me even though they nearly killed my mum and dad so yeah. sorry guys um
1: they're still here yeah exactly <laughs> they're
0: lovely <people>. exactly so <laughs> that's what happened um, otherwise school was normal i went to anna bay primary school and i went to tom Ray high school School for me was pretty easy, breezy. I didn't stress over good grades, but I definitely tried. I was happy with my results in the HOC. I finished school. um, And when I finished, I took a gap year and traveled over to Europe. I did America first. So instead of schoolies, my sister and I went to New York, LA and Hawaii, which was amazing. New York is my... Seoul city besides Australia. So went there for the first time and that was the best ever. Had a gap year, worked and went to Europe as well for the first time and that was amazing. Um, and then after that, I sort of just followed the usual system, sort of like what you did and felt like I had to go to uni. So I studied or I got into psychology um, and studied that for one semester. I didn't love it. I don't love studying at all. Psych was really interesting, but I couldn't see myself being a psychologist at all. And like I said, I just didn't enjoy studying. So I was following the system, doing what I thought I had to do. Um, And then it actually came up so randomly now that I think about it. I danced growing up as a hobby, um, but I stopped dancing when I was probably in year... 10 or 11 and then I hadn't danced at all so by this point it's 2015 I'm in uni and I graduated in 2013 so I probably haven't danced for what's that like four years three or four years so I'm at uni and I am doing a few dance classes for fun around Newcastle and I have a few friends that started full-time dancing and I just had this weird moment of that's what I want to do next I don't know where it came from but (laughs) came from somewhere so I started looking up places in Newcastle that offered full-time training for dancing um, and I found a few but I ended up going to the Institute of Dance Australia with Ben Dunlop love you Ben um, and got into the full-time program there so that was a massive change um, and a massive leap to take after not dancing for four years and then deciding that I'm going to make it my career so that's how I do things apparently but was training with Ben for six months and it was mainly ballet slash contemporary focused it was hardcore but it was some of the best training or it was the best training that I've had ever and I appreciate that time of my life so much Um, and when I was with Ben he had trained over in New York previously and he had lived there um, and his younger sister Ellie had also done the same so sort of as a joke slash let's just send in an audition video for shits and gigs, we decided to film an audition video and we were gonna send them to different schools across America and just see if I could get into one of their sort of like holiday intensives, which lasts six weeks. So we'd filmed the video and planned it, talked about it, but we didn't actually plan when we're gonna do it. And then it was, I don't know, one day of the week, and Ben messaged me and he was like, Oh, just letting you know I've actually sent your audition reel into Joffrey Ballet. Just see so if you can get into an intensive. I was like, Oh yes, yeah, sweet, won't get into it. It's fine. Next morning, get a message off Ben and he's like, You're moving to America in eight weeks. You got into the Joffrey Ballet. Not the six weeks intensive to the actual training course. So I cried and was like shaking. I was so excited. Um, And I booked a one-way ticket and moved to New York in like eight weeks, six weeks. So that was amazing. Um, And then I lived in New York for just over six months. I trained at the Joffrey Ballet School in the Jazz and Contemporary program, um, which was amazing and a life-changing experience. I was 20 years old, so to book a one-way ticket by yourself and just move to New York is insane. But... The best thing I ever did, for sure. It taught me a lot of things um, and it definitely extended the independence that I already had within myself. Um, And I made the most amazing friends over there that I still talk to some. Um, And Alana, I talk to her every single month. She's my soul sister. So it was one of the best times of my life to date. Um, And then had my 21st in New York lined up that when I was coming home, it was the week before my birthday. So my family flew over, 21st in New York, went to Vegas, came home, um, and then looked for different schools to start training at next. So I went to Lee Academy in Central Coast and trained there for 12 months. Um, And by this stage, I was really wanting to get into work. So I was auditioning before I started at Lee Academy. I was auditioning a lot in New York for cruise lines. Um, and then I trained at Lee, which opened up heaps more doors. I learned acro, I learned aerial, wasn't great at either, but gave it a go. <laughs> um, and then when I was at Lee, I had several job opportunities that came from it. So the first one was actually when Reese and I'd been together for a week.
1: I didn't even think a week like yeah.
0: four or five days yeah. we'd been together less than a week if that um and i got a job in fiji so it was similar to the job Bally situation where i sent in my resume and my headshots the night before and the next day got a call saying you're going to fiji tonight so called reese and was like oh hey i'm going overseas for a week or whatever see you in a week i'm going tonight
1: what do you say to that
0: yeah he was like um okay who is this crazy chick that i've just started dating so i went to fiji and shot a bollywood movie over there which again was just another amazing life experience to have under my belt um and then once i finished training at lee academy i got a job for mercedes-benz the car line to model for them in india so i went there when was that that was 2017
1: um or no was that it? was the start of last year started 2018. oh wow I always,
0: yeah yeah right so 2018 around february i went to india and i modeled for mercedes-benz um another life-changing experience very unique i don't know how to explain it it was positive and negative um i've never been somewhere like india before so it was really eye-opening and Challenging at times because you're a blonde, white female and you stand out. Um, so at times it was a little bit scary. But either way, it was an amazing experience. Um, and then it was 2017 that I made probably like the biggest decision I've made to date was to retire from dancing as a career. So my last year of full-time training, the first six months of it, I still was really motivated, sort of didn't see myself stopping anytime soon. But yeah, it just sort of went into a turmoil and lots of different things, mental struggles, physical struggles, lots of different stuff that I will talk about at a later date. Um, But I made the decision for myself after six months of going back and forth to finally retire from dancing. So I did that. Um, And then what did I do next? Then I got into my job now. So... I'm an operations manager at a mortgage broker. I work full-time nine to five, which is the first nine to five job I've ever had. Um, I've always worked in hospitality while dancing and doing everything else to pay to live pretty much. So working nine to five is amazing. We get weekends off together and I don't work till 12 or 3 a.m. in a bar. So it is amazing. But I just feel like all my life experiences and things I've gone through in terms of career, health, different things that have happened, um, family life, whatever, has really shaped who I am today Um, and, like I said before, has just really made me value life and want to empower people to value their own life and enjoy every single day. It's super easy to get into the weekly grind of living for the weekend, but that's five out of seven days that you're just wishing away of your life, which is crazy so i just really want to help people be grateful for every single day and live their life with purpose and intent and enjoyment and happiness and on their own terms i feel like too many people live the system um and just loving yourself self-love women empowerment everything like that all through personal experiences so i could go on forever about
1: I'm sure we personal
0: both. experiences but We'll dive deep into each one, I'm sure, when we go further on. Yep. But that is me in a very.
1: In a twenty-minute nutshell. Yeah. Twenty minutes goes fast, hey.
0: Yeah, that's wild. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So that's pretty much it, guys. I really want to try and keep this first episode under an hour if we yeah. can. Um,
0: Before, what are your goals in general at the moment?
1: In life. In life? In my career, I'd say, I don't know, just dive, maybe dive a little bit deeper into what um, what really gets me going. I think I have a pretty good taste for it at the moment. Um, taking some, some active steps toward pursuing that and, and potentially looking at what that might look like in terms of a job. Um, not necessarily looking for the right job for me, at this point I think I'm more about um, and I need to be careful about what I say here Um, just just trying to get get a little bit clearer on on how I could make um, what really makes me tick into into a nine-to-five if you want to call it that Um, that's probably my my biggest career goal at the moment Mm -hmm. look at sharing some quality information with other people um, Mm -hmm. you know just through my own experiences and that. Obviously, is is the purpose behind the podcast. Mm. So, getting the first episode out there—that's a goal in yep. the next couple of weeks. So, if we can tick that off, that'd be awesome. Continue to record some podcasts um, with you know between me and you, between mm.
0: individually,
1: individually interviewing other people, just sharing some content with other people. Because um, I think we're both at a stage now where we feel as if there's information that we can share. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. That will benefit others so just looking to to do that um, I guess goals in terms of in, in terms of personal goals, um, just continue to to work on my own self-awareness in, improve my own sort of understanding of who I am and what I'm about um, and what I really stand for so and there's plenty of stuff that I'd like to share obviously um you know what what's worked for me up until this point, um, and and we'll, we will do that. So that's probably it off the top mm-hmm. of my head. I didn't have a few things written down for this, so you've just really <laughs> tested me. What are yours? Train you under the bus? Yeah,
0: um, yeah. My goals are sort of life slash career into one. So I really want to make my passions and what I love into my career and it just fit into my everyday life. Um, I love nine to five, but I feel like they're two very separate lives that I'm living right now. Um, Just to sort of explain it very broadly. So I would love to intertwine those to just be more of a flow. I sort of feel like I'm flowing with health and wellness, my passions and things I wanna create. Like I've got the podcast that we wanna do and I wanna do all these other amazing things. And I go to my nine to five um, and it's not that, which is fine. It's an income, it's a career and I'm I'm doing it. But it's not a flow and it's just not, what would you call it? Mm-hmm. I don't know the word for it. It's just not intertwining. Well, I want my life to just flow with everything going in the one direction. And it sort of feels like I'm going in two directions, yeah. two different people almost, just like going different ways. So. Yeah. Lifestyle wise, I want to just make sure that lifestyle is obviously the most important thing for me. Money being comfortable, sure, but living a life and having work to be enjoyable and with my passions is the most important. So,
1: like, I think so many people toy with the idea of, like, I really want to share a message with someone or I really want to share my own experiences and be able to, you know, help someone else out. Um, whether that's through a podcast, whether that's sharing things on social media, whether that's starting something of your own. But they say, you know, I'm going to wait until I've got a 1,000 followers on Instagram yes. to be able to do that or start yes. that. This is where we're <laughs> just... We don't
0: have lots of followers, guys. Yeah.
1: I think I've... How many followers have I got? Maybe 200?
0: <laughs> Maybe I'm 50. I'm absolutely
1: killing it. But, you know, to me, it, that doesn't matter. You know, that might be... Out of those 200 people, there might be... There might be two or three people that actually get something from it so
0: yeah but that's changing two or three people's lives that's
1: exactly right So that's two or three people that have been helped out whereas you know you sit in your ass and you do nothing then no one gets helped so
0: yeah we just want to be open and connect with you guys hence connect and rise connect and take action that's exactly even if you have 50 followers like grace
1: yeah that's it so no judgment that's pretty much it in a nutshell guys um, yeah we don't really know what we're gonna do for episode two
0: we'll be back really soon and thank you for tuning in to the first episode we hope you guys learned something at least a little bit about us yeah that's, <laughs> that's it. all we really talked about so good on you
1: for making this making it this far I think we're like 40 minutes in or something all here, right so yeah we need to cut it we'll cut it off we'll all see right. you next time guys have
0: a good night